Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you joining us for the next three hours. We want to hear from you as always on the text line 704-570-9610. The number is 704-570-9610. I'm warning you now, Wes, I'm telling everybody we know what day it is, right? Can you tell the people what day it is? In the words of Alley Boy, it's Warcry. Wednesday. All right. So, you know the drill by now. We've been doing this for the past month. If you're at work, if you're in your cubicle, if you want to say it quiet, that's fine. If you want to scream and just, uh, whoa, yeah, it's War Cry Wednesday. If you want to do that, that's totally fine. But I do want you, if you're at a traffic light, to go crazy and make the other person look at you in a weird way because you are screaming so loud. No, and the word is getting so around. The they know that they are listening to Wesson Walker at yep. this point. Yep. They're going to look and say, oh, you, they're going to mouth to you out the window. Are oh, you listening to Wesson Walker, huh? Okay, that's what I want. Yeah. This is our mission. Let's go ahead and start it. Fiddy, are you ready? Because you had an excellent War Cry Wednesday for the start of football season not too long ago. Like, are you ready to give us that kind of energy again? Born ready. Okay. Lance Stevenson style. <laughs> Love it. Let's do it. All right, here we go. At the count of three, I want everybody screaming for War Cry Wednesday. Uno, One. dos, tres. Woo! Let's go, Let's get it. Open up the door, Fiddy. Let's get off the bus. <laughs> we look good getting off the bus. I got a little bus. bit of a headache. I got something to say. Damn! <laughs> Last time Fiddy did that, he was seeing stars. <laughs> the blood was rushing to his head and maybe a little too much. Hopefully you're okay now. Hopefully everybody's okay. And hopefully Fiddy can get back on track after something even the slightest bit sexual sounded. He's going to run with that kind of joke. And now we need to move on to some football conversation. Okay, here we go. I think this Carolina Panthers season has been... Not ext- No, not too fun to talk about, and a lot of that is because of the injuries that they've suffered. And what's unfortunate is that even if there's one injury that somebody suffers, Wes, and then we talk about it for that week, and then the next game, somebody else gets injured, not just for a couple of games, but a very long-term injury. J.C. Horn, going to be mm-hmm. out for like 10 weeks. Brady Christensen, oh, not only is he going to IR and he's going to miss at least four weeks, now he's out for the season. Hopefully Austin Corbett comes back sooner rather than later after he gets off of IR. But here we are, the latest injury, Shaq Thompson, after he went out early in that game on Monday night against the Saints. He broke his fibula. He had successful surgery, but he is not expected to come back at all this season. Frank Reich did talk about that and how he's a warrior and a brother to this team. He'll be missed. He's just a close brother. This is a warrior. This is a guy who knows how to practice. He knows how to play. He's a team first player. You know, I was texting him last night and, you know, he's already talking about trying to figure ways he's going to get back. This is before he has all the news, all, all the stuff, but, you know, trying to figure out a way he's going to help the team. The, these injuries hurt, but, you know, as I said yesterday and will continue to say, you know, the, the train's got to keep going on and you can love your brother and feel bad for your brother and at the same time understand we, we got to have the next man up mentality. 
How big of a deal is Shaq Thompson injury and the fact that he'll miss the rest of the year? Uh, I think it's a big deal because we know what he means to the run game. As far as coverage is concerned, you may have gotten just a little bit better with KGH in there based off how he plays. And you look at the coverage grade he got from the Saints game, which was a, uh, well, he's got a 78 grade for the season thus far. And so I think you get better in pass coverage, but I think run defense, it will suffer just a little bit in my opinion. Also the emotional leader of this team, having been here in the leadership, longest. no question. And he's the only guy from that 2015 Super Bowl team where he was a rookie on that squad. And he's the only one from that squad, either on offense or defense, that still is a part of the team. And even Adante Jackson puts together a comment really displaying the emotional leadership that he brings. Dante said, quote, he's just one of those players that you would never think anything could happen to him. He's like Iron Man out there. To see that was definitely heartbreaking. You see something happen to Shaq, and you just automatically think he's going to pop right back up and be ready to go. When you see the cart, everyone comes to the realization that maybe it is bad, it sucks, and it takes the air out of the place. And this is why we go back to our interview yesterday with Mike Kay, and he called it what was a listless locker room, along with his colleague writing that for the Charlotte Observer. Not only is it a loss on Monday Night Football, not only is the offense not clicking any way, shape, or form, but you lose someone that you consider the emotional leader of this squad, maybe not the oldest player on the roster, but the longest tenured Panther on the roster. And to lose him, you can still bring in that emotional leadership from the sideline, but I do think it's different without having him out there. And instead, you're going to have to rely on Camus Gruje Hill, which, as much as I like him, I think he stepped in and did a very nice job against New Orleans. Even with the criticism of Shaq Thompson in the past, you still are having a drop-off to what Camus Gruje Hill brings to the table. Yeah, and I think that... Uh it's just, it's rough on this team. And I think when you talk about a listless locker room, you're talking about guys that I think is starting to set in as we've been talking about the offensive miscues. And I think there's maybe a loss of hope there that they can put up the requisite points to miss games. But also, as you said, for their brother, Shaq, who gives them that leadership, who can be there in those moments to pick them up, to keep the morale up. So that's going to be a tremendous loss. And like we said, KJH, KGH stepping in now to the big chair. Now it's a little bit different when you're the starter, when you have to be in there down in, down out. So we'll see if he can keep his solid production going. This could be his opportunity to step in, and who knows, you may have found your next middle linebacker in this defense. So we know the NFL always works like that. It's always guys waiting to get their opportunity. And so with Shaq out now, this team will definitely have to find answers, and hopefully that answer is KGH. Um, Power Builder is correct in saying, I thought J.J. Jansen was the longest-tenured Panther. I've been told to apologize to a couple of Saints. I will not do that. I will apologize to the great J.J. Jansen. I forgot about a long snapper. That position has been looking for respect for quite some time. They're people too, and I didn't acknowledge him as the longest tenured Panther. For that, I apologize to Mac and Bone, WFNZ's very own Mr. J.J. Jansen. I mean, it is hard to forget he's been here for a, quote, long time. So it's easy to forget that he's had such a <laughs> long tenured career that he's still a Carolina Panther. Well, we know, too, Walker will diss certain positions as well, so I'm not surprised by this. We know he'll diss running backs, offensive linemen, you know. 
Any position is not that glamorous. Hey, I just talked about the impact of the middle <laughs> linebacker position, and that is That's a position. That's a glamour position, though. Oh, but we've talked about it. We had a big old debate how I devalue the middle linebacker position yes, yes. in the draft and when it comes to spending big money on that spot. The good news the is that Mac and, Mac and Bones' relationship with J.J., you could tell it's taken hold in the city. He got a lot of cheers during Monday night's game with his, his, his elite, if you would, long snapping ability. Oh, no. I don't know if we can use that word because everybody knows that's a Matt Rule word. Elite. And Matt, yes. <laughs> yes. Get out of here. That was nice. Get Real draft, time. You drafted Thomas Fletcher to replace J.J. Jansen. You don't think he's elite. You coming, bro? You coming, bro. That's, is that <laughs> the most embarrassing video clip of Matt Rule? I know there's a I, decent amount to choose from. The one that one's him, bad. The one of him doing the... T- Showing the draw how to do the tackling dummy and his butt crack showed. <laughs> that might be the all-time worst. <laughs> wow. Because, like, look, if you're a winning head coach, I'll gladly see your crack. I don't want to see the crack of a losing head coach. There are a few <laughs> quotes on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> we have one from the late, great Jerry V. You're only as good as your second and third tier. We have one from me. Spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti. We have one from Colin. Every season is a journey. I think the next one up there is from Fiddy. If you're a winning coach, I will gladly see your crack. That's a comment that was uttered, Wes, on these airwaves on a War Cry Wednesday, 10 minutes into the show. Don't forget mine. We all got jobs to do. Yeah, you do have one up there. We all have jobs to do. And now, Fiddy, if you're a winning coach, I will gladly see your crack. There's not a producer like him. There's not one. I do want to ask the injuries, all of them, mounting up. Brady Christensen, Shaq Thompson, J.C. Horn, even Austin Corbett is still a part of this. What's the most impactful, even still? What's the most impactful to this Carolina Panthers team right now? Because these are all, by the way, starters. All of them are starters. So it's a big deal when we talk about either one of those players. Man, I would have to go with Shaq at this point just because of what he means to the defense, what he means to the run defense. And, I mean, really, when you look at the offense, there's so much new. And Bryce, he's kind of sort of taking the reins, but he still hasn't earned the on-field stripes yet to be able to be a true, true leader of this football team overall. Shaq could be the overarching leader of this entire football team. I'm going to miss Shaq. I think there's a drop-off. I think Camus Gruje-Hill has done enough to be okay. And even in this game, by the way, even in this game against the Saints, it's not like that defense had a big old drop-off when Shaq Thompson left the field. They had a couple big plays. Dante Jackson got, you know, bit on a double move. And you had a great play from Chris Alave where C.J. Henderson didn't finish the play, even though that's more of a fantastic play by Alave than a bad one from C.J. I I think... Shaq is going to hurt. I think it goes to one that was always going to happen going into the in going into the season. Austin Corbett being out, I think that's been monstrous. I was worried about it coming into the season, and I think that's had a big old impact. Mm-hmm. Because Chandler Zavala going to the left side. Wes, we went over some advanced stats that we can go over a little bit later. But, man, it's been a rough go, especially it was a rough go against New Orleans for Chandler Zavala. Switching positions already. Right guard has looked bad, whether it be Throckmorton, whether it be Cade Mays, who had a big old penalty in this game to not have Corbett out there. I think that's a big old issue that will help Bryce Young
Young, your number one overall pick, someone that you've invested a lot in. The thing is, is that when you look at this offensive line at this point, if Icky proves to be this season average and only above average at times, but the way that the rest of this line has played, Taylor Moten's been decent, but you could be looking at a full revamp of this offensive line if things do not get better. And so uh, no first-round pick to speak of this year, not to say whatever first-rounder you would find would be a savior, so to speak, but they could potentially have to go to work on at least three quarters of this line or more. And so that's the that's the wild part about this all. And I say three quarters, maybe three, four of the guys on this line. So it's, it's just very tough for them right now. Any injury they sustain, especially right now, is just going to continue to add insult to injury. They have to try to stay healthy and try to get some type of semblance of chemistry at this point to play better than what they played on Monday night. But this is certainly a group that is definitely up against the wall as much as you can be when it comes to attrition and what they can and can't afford. All right, so we had some text. Brian wrote in, Three Kings, get your war cry rocking. We certainly did, Brian, and we thank you. Chotch Doctor, he wrote in, all capitalization, a bunch of exclamation points. Chotch! <laughs> Big uh, Cat Dan said he was all alone, so he said that he could get his war cry on with no problem. We appreciate Big Cat Dan for continuing to scream and war crying with us. I leave you with two questions before we go on to the next segment. One, do you have a clip in mind that is the most embarrassing from the Matt Rule era? And two, a more serious one, what's the most detrimental injury that the Panthers have suffered so far this season? Answer one, answer both, do whatever you want at 704-570-9610. Second Take Tuesday. Except it's Wednesday, but we're going off of Second Take Tuesday, but it's Wednesday. We try to make sense of it. Coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken, so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And Walker back at it on a War Cry Wednesday Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Got some text coming in about what people think is the biggest injury the Panthers suffered so far. Hard stopper Harley said, I think the Brady Christensen injury is a bigger deal than any other. I know a lot of people will probably see it as J.C. Horn. But if this year's all about Bryce Young and his development, then the O-line is more important at the moment. Yeah, Brady Christensen is a big deal, especially after what we saw from Chandler Savala in week two. Mm-hmm. I'd still put that more for Austin Corbett to come back as soon as possible. I think the offensive line will look better when he's there. But Brady Christensen, yeah, it's certainly not anything that you want to see happen. And I think the problem's more so for Brady... Really, it's his run blocking, Wes, Mm -hmm. because he can hold up in pass protection. And that prospect about him was true. The athletic guy, even if he had short arms, according to Matt Rule, and we'll get to some Matt Rule embarrassing moments in a moment as well. But when we talk about Brady Christensen, pass protection, I felt okay about him. But run blocking, that might be one of the bigger issues that he had. It's still going to be a big deal. Power builder, 
Agreed with you, Wes. Shaq is the biggest loss. I was there Monday and haven't watched a replay, but Taysom Hill runs up the middle. Didn't bode well for the backup run defense. Yeah, and I was watching some of these plays over again, and holes wide open for Taysom Hill to even run through. And then, as a physical player already, when the offensive line was doing its job, creating those gaps, second level tries to get on him, doesn't go down the first time. So Taysom did have an effective game, and the offensive line was blocking Really, even more so for him. It's not like the running game killed Carolina elsewhere. But when Taysom Hill got the ball, offensive line created gaps, and also he was able to finish those runs real well. The text I was waiting for when I asked about Matt Rule's most embarrassing moment, it was very much the salesman. Okay, Salesman, I've seen a bunch of times that he's gone to Twitter, and I love it every single time, how frustrated he was during the Matt Rule era. He gave us the top five stupid rule moments. He had this oh, list man, ready to go. This thing. Gave it to us ready to go during the break. Seven oh four nine eight oh. Let's go. <laughs> Number one. You coming or what, bro? It's so lame. It's it's the one we were talking about with Thomas Fletcher. Number two. The harder you get coached, the more I have to then coach. Yes, that was the comment at the Senior Bowl. I forgot all about that one. That this is yeah, great list. That's correct. That was, I believe, at the Senior Bowl. Number three, tackling dummy embarrassment. That's what you were talking about, Fitty. Number four, this is one I thought we'd get a lot of. It took Jay-Z seven years to become an overnight sensation. I mean, there's... Yeah, that might be number one for It's me. so good in the way how bad it is. It took Jay-Z seven years to become an overnight sensation. It immediately contradicts itself with the latter part of that statement. And the last one... The time he blocked a kick on a soccer goal and went eight bleep crazy. Yeah, I mean, I remember that one too, and that one was kind of funny, but clearly deserves to be fifth on this list. Thank you very much, Salesman, for playing some Rank Radio with us. We always love when we go to Rank Radio. You remember <laughs> this one. This was year one. Now, I've got a sound effect at the end of it. It was after a game they played Washington, and he dropped this gem. Respect the Panther. <laughs> Whoa. Respect the Panther. Respect the Panther is good. I'm glad you brought that sound by. Uh, yeah, these are these are great. Um, all right, let's go to some second take Tuesday on a Wednesday. We'll get some other uh, other of these uh, texts a little bit later on. Wait a minute, the bagel guy say, does Walker say Taysom's Hill wrong or do I? How do y'all pronounce it? I Taysom? say Taysom. Yes, yeah, Taysom. To me. I'm not saying it's correct the way I say it. Yeah, but that's just the way I say. It. Or Chach Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the last name of the Prime Minister of Great Britain during World War II. <laughs> Sounds like you spice it up a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think for me, Taysom, is it one of those Rashid Wallace thing where it's Rashid, but I go Rashid? I'm going to look it right now. All right, you look it, it says, up. It says, for the sounds like when you Google it, Taysom, Hill. Taysom? Yeah, Taysom. I want to get it right. I like. I that's a stickler thing for me. I want to get names right. I apologize, Taysom. Now Taysom, <laughs> Taysom Hill. It's easier to say. I don't know why I try to make it harder. Let's go second take Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day it is. Mm -hmm. Wes, why don't you lead us off? Whether it be offensive or defensive, what are some of the key plays you wanted to start off? So with? you want to go positive, negative? We'll start with the positive, and we'll start on the offensive side of the ball. So when you talk about things, maybe you'd like to see. Uh, earlier, did we not have our? Um, I was looking forward to hearing the NFL films theme uh, right.
right there because it always makes me think of Cameron. But anyway. The launch of the uh, segment. No, it's okay. It's a little <laughs> bit dicey, but we're, we're still coming out strong. There we go. Yes. All right. Go ahead, Wes. Now we've got the scene set. Um, 6-18, first and 10. There was nice pre-snap motion by Jonathan Mingo, who came back across the formation before Bryson Company snapped the football. He rolls out to the left. He has a nice completion to DJ Chark rolling to his left. He looked in command. He looked decisive. And I think that's something I know Mac was talking about a lot. He would like to see from Bryce Young, him being put out uh, on the edges a little bit more to be able to make plays. And I thought that that was a nice play by him. And also maybe some of the, uh, I guess you can't call it, I'd give it maybe vanilla with with some uh, chocolate chips on top or something like that. So not the most earth-shattering play in mm-hmm. the in the world, but I think that having that motion and then if you add to it by maybe sometimes giving Mingo the ball, uh, coming around that edge and that that jet sweep as we used to call it Wake Forest because we were one of the first, if not the first, uh, doing that. By the way, let me uh, throw that in there. But uh, that was a nice play. Okay, <laughs> all right. That was that was like kind of positive, but also like a little backhanded compliment. Vanilla with chocolate chips on it. It was, so, yeah. I okay, mean, it was yeah. nothing out of the ordinary, but it was no. a nice play design. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I've got a bunch just all pertaining to one thing, and that's penalties that absolutely destroyed this Panthers offense for moving on. Mm. First drive, second drive, third drive, fifth drive, seventh drive of the game. The thing that all of those drives have in common is that the Panthers were either called for a penalty, they turned it over, or could have been called for a penalty. Every single one of those, before you even get to the fourth quarter, where they have a have a couple scoring drives, kicking a field goal and scoring hey, it's a touchdown. not holding if they don't call it. Well, they called it this time, and it was a problem. <laughs> so if you look at the first drive, I'll just go with the first two. First drive, Chandler Zavala to set the tone for what he was going to do all night long. <laughs> all start on a first and ten, and that's when Carolina was starting to put together something important for this team. And it reminds me of what they were able to do the first drive against Atlanta. It's that they were starting to move the ball a little bit. And Frank Reich had that reputation coming out of the Colts organization that he was one of the best script play designers that there are. In the first 15 plays of the game, Frank Reich was doing a very good job with the Colts. I think we've seen that in the first couple of drives of each of the last two games, but they haven't been able to score. And it's because of penalties. It's because of turnovers. It's because of little mistakes that Carolina really is beating themselves on. And so here you have Chandler Zavala with a false start. They go back to first and 15. This offense, no margin for error. And they immediately get pushed back. Second drive. Miles Sanders runs for no gain. What happens? Hayden Hurst gets called for offensive holding. Now you're set first and 20 right after the first drive where you were set back first and 15. I'll stop there, but the penalties were a theme, especially when you had any semblance of the offense moving the ball down the field, and they just don't have the margin for error for them to be able to counteract some of those mistakes. All right, well, I will go back to the positive to balance that out. So I'll go third and 11, 921 in the fourth quarter. Bryce's scramble. We all saw it. The pressure came in, caved in on him and he got out of there and he had a very nice gain out of that. And so what are we going to glean from that is that this is something that Bryce Young should maybe add to his repertoire as the season goes along because he's going to have to be more decisive and that's what happened. 
It felt decisive. It felt like he knew, okay, this pocket's caving. I've been playing NFL football for just a little bit now. I know that this pocket, my time is up. Let me get out of here and make some plays. And he's got decent enough speed to hurt a defense. And I think that going forward, I know that Frank Reich and the crew will actually tell him, hey, man, if something's not there, don't don't hesitate to run at all because right now you have to keep creating those pictures, so to speak. And what I mean by that, getting those first downs. Get the first down and then you can move to the next drive and you'll see different pictures. And who knows, you might see a picture that you like and can throw a touchdown or a big gain or something like that. But keep the drive going at the end of the day by hook or by crook. And so I think that's what we learned from that run is that Bryce, as he continues to be more decisive, knows what he's seeing, knows what he's feeling because Mm -hmm. that also demonstrated that internal clock in his head. He knew, boom, these tackles are caving in on me. I got to get out of here and skedaddle. Bye-bye. Got out of there. Got a big game. Um, yeah, so there's a positive play. I've got a couple more negative ones for you just because there was a lot of oh, negative. Oh, yeah, I got negatives. From. No, we'll, for sure. We'll hit those. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll hit them right now. <laughs> so here we are on the third drive where it's third and 13. You're already set back. Miles Sanders got tackled for a four-yard loss. You're already putting your rookie quarterback and your offensive line in a bad position. But what's the problem is Bryce Young has an incomplete deep right pass, and even if it had a chance of being completed – Ike Kwanu was an ineligible receiver downfield. Mm. And so even if it would have been completed, they would have had to bring it back. So you give yourself no chance of success. Let's go to the fifth drive, shall we? By the way, for those counting at home, four of the top five drives, the first one, they all had a problem going on with it. Bryce Young sacked, and he doesn't take care of the football. And Bryce Young told you that was a problem for him. It's somebody that uh, he needs to take care of the football a little bit better. And uh, it was Granderson that came in with the strip sack, and it was recovered by New Orleans. And so that was a turnover. Even if he didn't throw an interception in this game like he did against Atlanta, that's something that also needs to be learned. It's holding on to the football, and he had two hands on it. He just wasn't gripping it tight enough. Granderson swipes down. Bryce Young gives it right back to New Orleans. A big and it strong was, man, man. It was. And and Bryce Young, well, we'll get to some of the fair foul criticisms of this team to the start of this year, but a lot of people pointing to size and lack of strength and how he caught yeah, that football up. I'm yeah, just, I, I we'll mean, get to fair foul. We'll the people are saying that. Come on now. But oh, no. I'll save my take for that. Yeah, yeah. I won't give it away right now. All right, what you got, Wes? Uh, So then when we want to go to the negative, though, Bryce definitely had some plays that were head-scratching, that were concerning a bit, but he is a rookie only playing in his second NFL game. 14-33, third and six. And he gets roughly three seconds in the pocket and then throws behind Adam Thielen for an interception by Levante Taylor, uh, which was a surprise. I thought that he had disappeared off the face of the earth. I Hmm. remember when he was at Florida State. But um, anyway, he throws it way behind Adam Thielen. They get the interception, and that was just one of those game-going-too-fast-for-you type of throws uh, that you hope that at some point the game will slow down for him. But on that throw, for sure, you saw all the rookie in Bryce Young. Yeah, um, I think Bryce Young, for sure, had some of those struggle moments. I heard Mac and Bone talking about how he seemed a little unsettled. And even if you can justify it by the offensive line, allowing among the most pressures of any of the offensive lines in the NFL and the receivers, not getting separation, not getting open. Some of this is to blame on Bryce, and some of it is to blame on the situation that he's put in 
right now. Hopefully that can fix itself a little bit going forward. I'm trying to draw uh, to figure out the exact play and the exact time in the game when it happened. But I think one play I wanted to point out was his completion to DJ Chark. I thought that was a strong off-platform, out-of-structure type of throw for him because he's backed up against his own end zone. They're mm-hmm. pretty deep in their yeah. own territory. That was a bad thing. Yeah. Runs to his left mm-hmm. and then, boom, stops on a dime. And he did that a couple of other times in nice. this game. Yeah, so I, that's a thing it feels like. And there was one completion to DJ Chark on that play. He tries to hit Mingo on a very similar structured throw, but Mingo can't hold on to it. There it is. There is some defender there. There is a little bit of traffic. So uh, part of it's on Mingo not getting separation. Part of it's just how the play is rolling. But that's something that I really like about Bryce. He's still looking to throw downfield, even if he gets out of the pocket. He has shown an ability to pick up yards with his legs. But even rolling to his left, Wes, which is not as easy when you're a right-handed quarterback mm-hmm. to throw and throw accurately, we've seen that be a part of his game. And that's something I'm excited about. You don't necessarily, okay, we take away the right side and he can he can still, you know, throw it when he's running out of the pocket. But the left side, he's only going to run it because it's really hard to swing your hips. No, he can do that and he can throw it accurately. And so that's actually a positive thing. Not many people are talking about, mm-hmm. but a little part of his game I expect to keep going. Yeah, my mistake, K-Town Mafia and CJ on the text line point out that that was not an interception. It was an incompletion. But still, the throw was way behind Thielen, and we get all the rest of it. So whether it counted or not, it was still a bad play. He was way behind his receiver. Uh, Then also with Bryce, when you look at some of the more uh, negative plays, you the one play that was a real head scratcher was the third and three on 619 with 619 to go in the fourth quarter. He's got great time. He scrambles. Demario Davis gets on him, and then he just runs out of bounds. He doesn't even bother to throw it out of bounds. Quarterbacks kill me when they do that. I'm like, why would you just decide to run out of bounds and take the loss of yardage? Why wouldn't you just chuck it right before you step out of bounds? I was was screaming, throw the football. Yeah, I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) I I just, I didn't understand that. As that was going on, I was like, okay, Bryce's going to throw it. He's going to throw it, right? Throw Throw the ball. And he never threw the ball. Yeah, I was just like, I didn't I didn't understand that one at all. All right, so on the seventh drive of the game, this is the one that was really frustrating. Oh, DeMario sacked him. I'm sorry. That's when DeMario sacked him. Yep. And I think this play embodies a lot of the people's frustration. The Andy Dalton entrance for the fourth and one play. Oh, God. And then there actually isn't any Andy Dalton on this fourth and one play because Cade Mays gets called for a false start. So just the... The perceived circus of what was going on on that particular call where Andy Dalton comes in potentially for a a tush push, as we've loved to say here after what Philadelphia has done. I know Frank Reich has defended that by saying we did it with Jacoby Brissett and Phillip Rivers a few years back. But to bring in Andy Dalton and then to have your right guard get called for a false start on a fourth and one at New Orleans 32 a potential touchdown drive. That's the one where I think a lot of people are looking and saying, yeah, there is a a litany of mistakes that took place with that one. Yeah, and I mean, you know the narrative about your quarterback. Why would you feed into that? That was my whole thing. When he brought him in, I'm like, okay, are they about to do something special that I don't know about or that we haven't seen? And then when he brought him in, 
for those types of plays, I'm like, come on. Like, you know that people think your quarterback's too small. You know people are going to take this and run with it and have all types of critiques. Why would you want to bring that on your young quarterback? It's just bad optics, right? Like, yeah. everybody in the stadium knows he's small. Here's my thing. Lie to me. Tell me you don't want him getting hurt because you can get you you can justify that. How did Pat Mahomes get hurt three years ago? It was sneaking the ball on a third and goal at the one yard line in Denver. Just use that excuse, man. Because we all know in reality it's because he's five nine and you can't pick him up and run him down the field, which is what you should do. <laughs> Uh, I I really wonder if that play would work with him at quarterback, though, too. I I really do question it. Because he's still 200 pounds. Well, yeah, when this is the the barely thing where he put on a lot of weight to get to the combine, and then you're probably looking at him losing some playing weight. But here's my biggest thing, too, because he is legitimately short. Mm -hmm. He's not like these other QBs that are bigger and stronger that you're seeing that play a lot designed for. So can the guys get low enough to give the tush part of the push. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> That's my qu- I know. I'm sorry. Talk I'm about just... not feeding into the narrative. I'm feeding into it. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's something there because <laughs> the coaches obviously may be having those same thoughts. So you're not out of the ballpark to think that. Jalen Hurts is a strong dude. And that's a strong offensive line. 600-pound so squatter. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it, And so this is where my argument completely goes off the rails, though. It's like, yeah, and then you bring in Andy Dalton, and he can do it. It's like, okay, no, I haven't seen a video of Andy Dalton squatting 600 pounds. Yeah, so. and from Florida said, what's the difference in bringing in Dalton for the tidy push? The tush push. She meant tush push. Yeah, yeah. With the Saints bringing in Taysom Hill for the same thing, it always works for the Saints. And then she did correct it and say tush push. But, I mean, Andy Dalton's no, not that much bigger. I get he's got a little bit more height. But, yeah, man, just let Bryce sneak the dog on ball. All right, so I apologize uh, to Taysom Hill finally for calling him Taysom. And we will now continue to go with Taysom Hill. Because okay. a couple people called me out. So, Taysom I don't know why I emphasize syllables sometimes, man. It's just how I roll. Hey, it just That's depends what on how it's written. I don't know why. All right, that'll do it for Second Take Tuesday. On a Wednesday, we'll move on, and we'll give you a little Seattle appetizer. I want to live back. I want to go back and live during the days when this was an actual rivalry. Does Seems it like come that's with seafood? tailed off. Yeah, I'm going to throw a fish at you. All right. Be ready. Okay. Get ready to catch it. I will it's be. coming up next. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wes has made a weird face at a couple of different things that have happened within the last minute. Colin was laughing with a very evil laugh <laughs> that I think that threw you off, Wes, uh-huh. during some of the jokes we were talking about yeah. off the air. Uh-huh. And then Colin gave, to me, it sounds like uh, Cortex off of Crash Bandicoot. 
when mm. you're playing that video game. Oh, his laugh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Cortex's yeah, yeah, yeah. laugh. That was a very evil laugh. It got you shook. And also this song. Bob yeah, Seeger turned the page. Yeah, it sounded like uh, something from the score of Lethal Weapon. I felt like it was early 90s. I'm watching a crime drama, mm-hmm. and they're getting to the point where they're uh, at the crime scene. Well, Fiddy wanted to bring Bob Seeger in to to roll with the idea of we're turning the page and we're going on to Seattle. So Bob Seeger's from Seattle. I know about the great Bob Seeger. He's a legend, but is he from Seattle? No, the song is sung by Bob Seeger. No, I knew that, but I'm saying is he playing that coming into this segment because he's from Seattle? No, I don't. To be fair, I actually don't know where Bob Seger is from. Yeah. But I think he's just rolling with the turn the page mantra more so than this is somebody that's from Seattle. Gotcha. All right. Okay. We're all on the same page before we turn it. He was born in Detroit, raised in Ann Arbor. Okay. I like Bob Seger, man. He's dope. And what inspired him to play music was he learned how to play the ukulele. Oh. There you go. All right, some Bob Seeger facts of the day. Maybe we can continue to roll that on. <laughs> Every Wednesday, it's War Cry Wednesday, and it's Bob Seeger fact day. Today's fact is that he was born in Detroit, and he was raised in Ann Arbor. Go Blue. Detroit's got some music pedigree. And apparently they do, and Bob Seeger at the top of that list. Let's talk about the Seattle appetizer. Right. So this used to be a game where everybody would get very excited for mm-hmm. it. There was a little rivalry between the Panthers and the Seahawks for a while, especially if you go back to, I would say 2012. Mm -hmm. So if you go back to 2012, that's when Cam Newton was already established as the starting quarterback of this team, just one year after his rookie season. And there were some defensive bouts every single year in 2012, 2013, 2014. Those scores were 12 to 16, 7 to 12, 9-13, 9-13, to 13, all losses. I know it's way weird how I read that, but I'm reading the Panthers score first. So they lost 16-12, 12-7, 13-9. Every single one of those contests. And then Carolina got to the playoffs. And that same year, in that 2014 loss, they would lose in the divisional round 31-17. to 17, And then the Super Bowl year, that's when they got a couple of victories. So that's when it mattered the most, at least for Carolina. And they were able to get a couple victories where you go to that 27-23 win on the road in Seattle. Greg Olson catches the touchdown pass from Cam Newton. And that's always a game people remember because it was the time Carolina was for real. Mm -hmm. We knew. That was one of those indicator games that let you know where they were at. I remember that game like it was yesterday. And that was a ginormous game and statement by the Panthers. So it had everything. It was, all right, if you beat Seattle, a team that had been to the Super Bowl, against that defense was this offense going to perform you're five and zero, but we've seen teams fall big time from five and zero that year to the point where they might not make the postseason where's this thing gonna go and cam newton when the moment called for it delivered a strike in even if greg olson's wide open hit him right in stride perfect throw olson gets to the end zone you win that game and later that year you would beat them after getting a monster lead at the beginning of that game Loudest sports moment of my lifetime is being at the draft bar next to Bank of America Stadium at the watch party. It's packed shoulder to shoulder. Luke Keekley intercepts Russell Wilson, returns it for a touchdown, and it is the loudest sports moment of my life being in that crowded bar where people are yelling at the top of their lungs right next to my ear. And one of the more exciting moments, three straight losses. 
But Carolina's got the last one. Carolina last year was able to win 30-24 to behind a very strong run game and despite them only throwing for 120 yards. So this used to be a very exciting rivalry that's lost some luster because neither team is going to the playoffs every single season and they moved on from the Russell Wilson era. But that was a fun stretch of history between these it two It certainly teams. was because at the time, especially that big game with Cam Newton when he hit that throw, Seattle was the boogeyman or one of the sets of boogeymen in the league when you had LOB popping and all of those things and Russell Wilson was at the height of his powers. So it was a very fun rivalry. And so this game, not sure if it will add to it, but this game definitely will bring back a little bit of nostalgia for Panther fans because they were uh, a barometer for quite some time. Yeah, where do they rank? I want to hear on the text line too. Where Where does Seattle rank among most hated teams for Panthers fans? Because you would think the division opponents are up there, Atlanta, New Orleans, and then for a while it might have been Seattle right there. I mean, you play once a year, you played important games. I'd say so. I mean, were they more hated than Tampa Bay at that time? Because the Buccaneers just yeah. weren't getting to the postseason. Yeah. Because because of what Seattle represented. They were a Super Bowl contender. They had been to and won Super Bowls. Uh, well, a Super Bowl and then uh, no question about it. Yeah, I, I would say Seattle's probably third on that list for a while just because Tampa was so irrelevant for so long until Tom Brady came back into the picture. You also got to wonder how many Panther fans or Tar Heel fans that hated Russell Wilson, who was an NC State quarterback. I know during my Panther fandom, that played a role into that was, and Pete Carroll was this arrogant, you know, big chin, gum-chewing SOB that Ooh. outcoached Ron Rivera, it seemed like every <laughs> every Sunday for a couple of years. So. I mean, I can remember as much as I loved that Seattle swagger, mm-hmm. I hated Russell Wilson. And so Couldn't I, stand him. I, I think 336, <laughs> maybe you don't agree with the exact order, but I do think a lot of Panthers fans would have these five teams in their top five most hated squads. NOLA number one, Atlanta number two, New England number three, which mm. it, it's That's there. interesting. But, it, I mean, one game, they're all the way up to number yes. three. Because you, you beat them on Monday Night Football, Cam never lost to him as a Panther. Yeah, but you still hate them just because you're beating them, right? Because they did take away your first ever Super Bowl mm, championship. Yes, well, yes. Get the ball always, out of bounds. No, that factor but definitely. That, but that, that factor's in. That's be- very strong. Because that plays into, a, man, if we just didn't kick it out of bounds, we would have beat them. Oh, I hate those guys. And that was early on. So, yes, I I think a lot of Panthers fans hate New England. Yeah, that's, Seattle, a, that's a great fact. Seattle number four. And then Pittsburgh number five. Because of the transplants? Probably. And Pittsburgh travels well. And so if they play at Bank of America, I'm sure they don't have great experiences. <laughs> Look at it. People are hitting up the line already. I think Dallas, too. Oh, yes. But that's everybody. Yes. Which is, as a Cowboy fan, it's always amazed me how much they hate us considering – you ended the dynasty. You've nice. gone to two Super Bowls since you ended our dynasty. And historically, they've been very competitive against the Cowboys. So it's always blown my mind as a fan of both teams why they've hated us. I actually heard Stephen A. and Marcus Spears talking about this today on First Take, where Stephen A., what gets him riled up about that franchise, a lot of it is the fans. So I think that's the case here for Carolina, too. It's the fans. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be a lot of Cowboys fans wherever you go. Yeah, the fact that they take over the stadium when they come to play you guys, too. Um, Well, yes, there's a lot of the Cowboys fans that travel well. And they don't even travel. They're here. Cowboys fans are everywhere based off of the kind of success that they had. Cowherd also brings up an excellent point. Just ask Marty Herney about this. Cowherd brought up the cheating aspect 
and the fact that they just beat everybody all the time. And how could you hate Peyton Manning the same way that you hate Tom Brady? Those are some of the reasons why you hate New England. Remember what Marty said a while back. It's that, you know, he accused New England of cheating and it was a, quote, culture of cheating. And then we had Deflategate not long after that. But they believed that there was some funny business going on with the New England Patriots in that Super Bowl week. Yeah. And how there are the stories about how the Carolina Panthers were staying not at the same level of hotels as what New England was once they went down to Houston in that Super Bowl year. A lot of little, like, tiny things that added to the hatred of New England. On top of already a pretty big reason to hate them in that they beat you in your first ever Super Bowl I like that. I'm here for the petty. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, New England was just that villain, man, that everybody loved to hate. What did it say about me that I liked them? That you liked New England? I did. Well, I think it says everything we know. I liked them for a lot of those reasons. No, I'm I'm sure you did. (laughs) This was when you didn't hate Carolina, though. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Oh, three? I thought you said you got oh, on board. Super Bowl, no, I was I was very upset when they lost that game. But then after that went away, uh, I did like New England. The, the pettiness was right up my alley, especially after they got in trouble. And then they went 16-0, and 0, and they were just obliterating people. Like, I I loved it. And then Randy Moss played for them, so that definitely <laughs> was incredible. made me a fan. I don't know if we're surprised that you like New England, Wes. You refer to Michael Myers as, quote, my guy. <laughs> So, <laughs> it's going to take a lot for you to surprise us with your uh, alliances yeah, with villains. Yeah, yeah, Michael Myers, Tom Brady, which one is more problematic <laughs> that Wes refers to them as his guy? Yeah. Both are problematic. Ooh. Don't know which one is number one. Let's uh, move on. Let's go. Oh, you got a, something else for us? We may just got to touch on the top of the hour. Um, Bryce Young held out of Wednesday's practice. Brian Burns limited. All right. The All Panthers right. account just sent Is it because out. the bag is limited or... I don't know. If, it's not for Bryce. It seems like something else is limited there. Um, here it's we are. Oh, man. Yeah. Bryce, we didn't mean that. And All I right. was going with a Mr. Unlimited joke because we were talking about <laughs> Seattle. There's lots to get to. We'll do it in Mr. Unlimited. You said what? I said, what did he hurt? I was hoping to find that during the break. and We could talk about it at the 1 o'clock Dang. hour. All right. Let's do it. Coming up next on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.